listening to Triples in Ecstasy, a production of Hollow Sweet Media. This is Admiral James T. Kirk of Federation Starship Enterprise. Your presence here is an act of war. You have two minutes to surrender your crew and your vessel, or we will destroy you. Admiral Kirk, this is your opponent speaking. Do not lecture me on treaty violations, as this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. In the following podcast, there will be thoughts and opinions expressed that in no way reflect your federation, this station, website, or affiliated partners. Who is this? How dare you? Who I am is not important. Listener discretion is... Klingon best. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Trips. Her encore mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new content and new stuff, to follow the girl with no podcast. It's gone before. Hello and welcome to episode 272 of Tribbles and Extra. I'm your host, Midnight Shadow, and joining me in the studio, we've got Sun Seal. Welcome, Sun. Hey, everybody. It feels like it's been forever. Yes, it's been a while. So, first of all, we're going to kick right off with an interview. Interview. We welcome someone from Space Command today. So, hello, Mark. Hello, glad to be here, Midnight. First of all, would you like to introduce yourself, um, who you are, what you sure. do, and of course, yeah. what Space Command is? Absolutely. Um, I'm Mark Scott Zikri. Uh, I'm uh, the author of The Twilight Zone Companion and Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities and the Magic Time Trilogy of Novels, but I've also written a ton of television, hundreds of hours uh, of network TV as a writer-producer. So some of my credits include Star Trek The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Babylon 5, Sliders, Friday the 13th, The Series, Space Precinct of All Things, Smurfs, He-Man, Super Friends, on and on and on and on. And, um, and, and also I, I wrote, co-wrote and directed and executive produced Star Trek A New Voyages, World Enough in Time, starring George Takei, which uh, was nominated for the Hugo and the Nebula, and I'm very proud of that. It was, it was done without a studio or a network. And, uh, and so more recently, I decided to do a new series called Space Command that would be a hopeful vision of the future that would be uh, inspiring in the way that Star Trek was inspiring to me when I was a kid. And uh, so I reached out to Doug Jones, uh, who's in Star Trek Discovery now and The Shape of Water, and Robert Picardo from Star Trek Voyager and Stargate Atlantis, and Mira Furlan and Bill Mummy, with whom I worked with, and Bruce Boxleitner also, with whom I worked on Babylon 5, and 
Mike Harney from Orange is the New Black and James Hong from Big Trouble in Little China and Blade Runner and, and on and on. And we shot the two-hour pilot and actually shot 35 minutes of the second two-hour story and the opening of the third two-hour story. I've actually written the first eight hours and outlined hours nine through 12, uh, which is the first season. And, uh, and so we raised our initial money on Kickstarter. Then I uh, sold investment shares and that got us to this point. And now we have a new Kickstarter campaign to help us with visual effects and post-production on the, uh, the two-hour pilot. And uh, so it's been an amazing journey. I'm, I'm, I'm having a great time. Now, the description for Space Command is it's a bold new sci-fi adventure, um, adventure sorry, starring sci-fi legends sci-fi and has a, and real, has a real, real retro feel and an optimistic mm-hmm. view. So, yes. Can you explain the sort of retro feel and sort of you do when you look at some of the artwork for the ships, you think the 1960s? Yes, yes. Well, I, well, you know, I grew up uh, in the in the sixties and nineteen seventies, and uh, and so Star Trek came on when I was around ten years old. So it was a huge in- influence. But I was also reading uh, extensively in the genre. So I was reading Robert Heinlein and Arthur C. Clarke and Isaac Asimov and just everybody, you know, you name it, Theodore Sturgeon, etc. And uh, and so a lot of the books I was reading were written in the nineteen fifties, and I loved the the book covers with these great spaceships, and I loved. Um, the, the covers of Galaxy magazine and Astounding, and uh, and also I was watching science fiction uh, movies from the 1950s, like Forbidden Planet, and so that and reading you know weird science uh, and weird science fantasy from EC Comics, and so the visual aesthetic of the 1950s was really cool, and and everyone was pretty much working in a shared universe universe of assumptions where we would land on the moon, we would we'd colonize Mars, we'd 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 jump out to the stars, encounter intelligent aliens, etc. And uh, and so I, I very much wanted to return to that because the uh, and it's not it's not quaint, it's not um, rose colored glasses or or anything like that. It's, it's just a little bit of a of a nod to that, a tip of the hat to that aesthetic. But I very much uh, wanted to also look forward toward. Mankind colonizing Mars, colonizing the moons of the outer worlds, etc. Uh, you know, uh, the outer worlds in our solar system, and then jumping to the stars. But more than that, I wanted to reach to to, to return to an issue, uh, an issue that was very meaningful to me, which was a lot of TV shows and movies of recent years have been very dark and very uh, what they call edgy, but it means kind of nihilistic, uh, despairing, hopeless in terms of the future that they were looking toward. And I thought, well, no, Star Trek was done during Vietnam, during civil rights movement, but it still said we can reach across boundaries and barriers and create a future worth, worth living in for ourselves and for our children and grandchildren and, and, and so forth. And I think it's very important that we, that we have that hope because when I was a kid, the, the, the space program certainly was embracing that, that hope. The idea, no, no one in science fiction ever assumed that we would land on the moon and then stop. And so, th- so this was the one future that no one guessed, and um, and so when when Elon Musk talks about colonizing Mars and all of that, I, I applaud that. And so, Space Command very much is about that kind of a future where, uh, and so essentially, we follow uh, three families over 150 years as we colonize the solar system, as we jump to space, but more importantly, as we reach across boundaries and barriers and create a future that's meaningful and positive and, uh, and, and deals with issues that we have now in our world, but, but says you can, you can actually come together and, and create a future worth living in. Now, looking at your Kickstarter page, I noticed today that, um, as you already mentioned, that you've already got your original goal. So you're already looking yes. for the first sort of stretch goal, which yes. I thought was absolutely fantastic. Thanks. <laughs> 
<laughs> Me too. I think it's great, and uh, um, you know because I because it shows that the fans uh, very much want this kind of a, a show and very much want this kind of material. Um, and the way I, I got the amazing cast that I got was again they knew my work, they knew what I stood for. Uh, my wife Elaine and I are the writer, director, producers on the project, and um, and we've done so much TV and so many other projects. And and you know, but the, but the through line of all of it is compassion and seeing love as a positive force in the world. That you know, uh, in these times of fear and and people you know ban- you know kind of curling in on themselves, you have to say, well, no, wait, there's an alternative. And uh, so in Space Command, Space Command has a Muslim character that Robert Picardo plays, and he's just like a regular person. He's just you know he's a Muslim like I'm Jewish or I have friends who are Catholic. It's it's based on a friend of mine named uh, Yusuf Sikander who's Muslim and he's from Afghanistan and he's just a regular guy. He's a director and a DP, but Bob Picardo doesn't play that. He's a, working a, as a mining a foreman in the, in, the, in the asteroid belt. But again, the, the notion of, of him just being a person. And I think the common humanity is very important. And, and Doug Jones plays a synthetic human, but again, he has a soul and a heart and, 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 and desires freedom. And um, it's important, you know, it's important. And, and so Space Command has characters um, making uh, brave choices. And often brave choices mean uh, doing the right thing, and the right thing is often doing something that might be a risk to yourself, but it, it, it it's reaching out to others and and being um, being compassionate, being loving, and uh, and so it's that. So I'm basically writing the world that I live in, <laughs> more or less, <laughs> and 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 putting it into the future. Now you've gone the route of using Kickstarter um, rather than sort of going more to sort of networks and things like that. Um, yes. Was there reasons behind that? Yes, very much so. I've, I've written uh, extensively for, for basically all the major studios and networks, including the BBC and ITV, uh, among others, but all the ones here in, in the States, you know, Universal, Paramount, uh, MGM, uh, and everybody, I mean, you know. And, um, and I've certainly had a great career. I, I, most of what I've written has been what I envisioned, and it got aired the way I wrote it. And, um, but but with, in this case... I wanted to do something because of the new models, because of being able to shoot on digital cameras and edit, edit on a laptop and, and have the internet and reach out to an audience worldwide. I thought, well, well, let's try and see if I can raise money. I'd never done it before. But I thought, I want to do at least the first two hours where I can cast who I want to cast, write what I want to write, and show exactly what I have in mind. And then if I go to the networks or the platforms like Netflix or Amazon or Hulu, I can say, this is the show. And if this is what you want, then we, we have a conversation that we can engage in. But I didn't want it to ever be a case where I would go in and pitch the idea to a network. They'd buy it, they'd hire me to write it, and then they could cut it off at script or cut it off at pilot where no one would ever see it. And then, um, Or they could give me notes that, w- that would ruin it, and I would have to f- at least struggle with those notes because they're paying the bills. And I, I tr- I've always trusted my audience far more than, than, than the networks or the, or the studios. I, I've, I've worked with a lot of great executives. I don't mean to uh, denigrate them, but their objective is to the bottom line and to their boss, whereas the audience just wants to see something meaningful and entertaining, and, and I, I'm, I'm the same as my audience. I'm a fan as much as they are. And uh, so, um, so I, I trusted that, and I, I don't regret. It's been harder. It's taken longer but I don't regret it at all. And as I say, we've shot the first two and a half hours and uh, it's, it's just amazing when I look at what we've accomplished. It's, it's phenomenal. Yeah, because yeah. it's one of the things with these platforms like Indiegogo and Kickstarter is it does give you a way along with social media to reach out to 
the fans, which especially when things like Star Trek, um, Babylon 5 and things originally aired, you hadn't really got that out there. No, no, I mean, I'm the only writer who wrote for both Deep Space Nine and Babylon 5, and... uh, and back then, you know, when I started, there were only three networks and syndication and, and so forth. And so you needed a studio and a network to even start. And it would always cost millions of dollars to make anything. I mean, for instance, just to put it, put it in perspective, uh, uh, an, an episode of Star Trek. I had um, dinner last week with Doug Jones, who's in one of our leads in Space Command, but also in Star Trek Discovery. And, you know, the average episode of Star Trek Discovery is 8 to $10 million. And, uh, and so... But Doug wants to do meaningful work, so if obviously he's happy to be in Star Trek Discovery, happy to be in The Shape of Water, which is Guillermo del Toro's new film, but he also was equally thrilled to be in Space Command because he wanted to work with me, and uh, and uh, also the role was terrific. And and I wrote, a, and, and for once, he doesn't have to be uh, hidden behind a mask, so you can actually see his face, and he's got an amazing face, a great, sensitive, um, you know, expressive face, so I'm glad that we're showing what he really looks like, and, uh, but... Um, but but you know but again the way the way we did it was we did our first crowdfunding campaign our initial target was seventy five thousand dollars and we hit two hundred and twenty one thousand and then I sold investment shares of seventy five hundred dollars each and our our fans and our backers bought a number of those and that allowed me to raise about another half million dollars and and that got us to where we are now and people can still buy shares in Space Command and if if they buy a share they get part of my producer's net profits in the first four episodes. So it's actually a very cool deal. And, and, but that's dependent, of course, upon it being sold as a show. But, um, but, but even if someone puts a dollar down on Space Command, I'm enormously grateful, or a pound, <laughs> because, um, <clears throat> or a euro for that matter. But because anyone who puts any money down, you know, they, get, they get the work in return. They see, get to see the show, but, but also they get to make it happen. And, um, and I'm grateful for anyone doing anything. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for every moment of everyone who's helped me on this project. And it's been literally thousands of people around the world. Uh, and the funny part was that uh, because thousands of people financed it, thought, well, why don't we see if two of the leads, if anyone anywhere in the world can audition for two of the leads. So we had the worldwide talent search where anyone anywhere in the world could audition for Captain Kemmer or Cadet Bradbury. And we got 7,000 inquiries and 1,200 videos because wow. people could just down, they could download the, the scenes and shoot their own audition anywhere. We got, we got people from Ireland, people everywhere. And uh, ultimately, we, had, uh, we, we, we cast nine actors uh, in various roles, including Captain Kemmer and, and Cadet Bradbury, and uh, wonderful actors. And that would not have happened if we hadn't had the internet and this wonderful new new way of doing things and I, I would never in the world go back to three networks and uh, and and shooting on film i i love the new model absolutely love it yeah it's definitely the way of the future i know when it came to star trek discovery there's been a lot of fans that have been really against the fact that it's on a streaming service yes and to me i i I think they're just looking to the past way too much because streaming is where it is. People want it when they want it, not when the network says we're showing it at this time slot. Yes, I agree. And but the, but it's fascinating. I think it's really interesting that the Orville and Star Trek Discovery have come out at the same time because it's two very different philosophies and two very different approaches to that material. And 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 Space Command is also again another, yet another approach to a space going show. And and I, I'm I'll, I'll be very excited when we're able to share the, the, our goal with the space with the uh, the Kickstarter campaign is to 
is to find we've we've hit our goal. So the the goal is to finish the first thirty five minutes, get that out to our backers and and to the to the fans at large, and and share with that with them, and then and then move through the rest of the hour and a half of the two hour pilot and finish that and get that out as well. And we have nineteen hundred visual effects shots in the first two hours, which is an enormous amount. There's no episode of Star Trek Discovery that would have that many. A big feature like Star Wars might not even have that many. And um, but I've always been very ambitious, and I don't, you know, I'm and and a bit crazy, and uh, but I've managed, uh, but I've managed to pull it all off in my in my in, t- in my entire career. And uh, and if anyone wants to watch the Captain Sulu episode that I did for Star Trek: New Voyages, you can go on my YouTube channel, Mister Sci-Fi, and you can watch that entire episode there. And uh, I, I was thrilled by that. It's an hour long, seven hundred visual effects shots, and uh, and it's just a superb piece of work. I'm very proud of it. And uh, George Decay's spectacular. And I cast Christina Moses as his daughter. She's now starring in the originals. She's going to be in a new show called Condor in the fall and or, or in, I guess in the next few months now. And uh, she did another show called Containment recently. She's an amazing actress. And uh, she'll be in Space Command as well um, down, down the road, and as will Armin Shimmerman and a number of other actors that, that I love working with and, uh, and work with any chance I get. Now, you mentioned that you've already penned eight episodes. Yeah, well, eight hours. Yeah, absolutely. And and outlined hours nine through twelve. And the first novel is written. And yeah, we just keep going. And uh, uh, it's so there's a lot of fascinating things. And because it covers, we jump back and forth over 150 years between the generations of these families. And so, uh, and you get to see the cause and effect of things. And it's very funny because Robert Picardo actually plays. Armin Shimmerman's grandfather <laughs> in the chronology. In the chronology, so they've been laughing about that. And Bill Mumy. Who I, I, from Lost in Space and Babylon Five? I've known him since I was seven years old, <clears throat> and um, he uh, he get we get to see who his, his son is, who his granddaughter is. You know, it moves back and forth, and uh, it, it's great fun in that way. I, I love that Mira Furlan. We get to see many generations of her family, and and certain characters are viewpoint characters. Doug Jones is a synthetic, so he he he. We see him throughout the entire hundred and fifty years, and Mira Furlan plays a genetically altered human who's very long lived and very hard to kill. And so again, she's a viewpoint character that where we meet her at one point and we jump to many years later and she still, you know, looks pretty much the same. And yet, and yet you know, her daughter who has not um, got that genetic uh, modification, you know, she ages just like a normal person. So it's a very interesting relationship and uh, very interesting to study how how the, the, the sort of the flow of the story. And, uh, and we also meet aliens and they're very, very uh, different from humans uh, over the course of the show. And initially, we start in our solar system uh, with slower than light drive, and ultimately we de- de- discover faster than light drive, and then we go out to other systems. But uh, so we will encounter aliens, but they're not just going to have bumps on their noses; they're going to be very, very different from humans. And and we meet we meet several species, and um, and see what what that you know what what how that changes humanity. That's good. Now we mentioned the ships a little bit earlier. Yes. Um, who created those models? Are you behind that, or have you had someone doing that for you? Well, yeah, we've, we've had a great, a great design team. The initial design for our hero ship, the Paladin, was a, a Star Wars artist named Dave Dorman. And then Tobias Richter in Germany, who's a terrific visual effects artist, took that and elaborated upon it, modeled it in CG, and it's a great design. And then I, we have an alien ship that's um, five miles long, uh, that's an ancient ship. It's 200 million years old. It was designed by a race called the Ema, a very mysterious race that uh, we don't see for a long, long time. And um, that it's dug up on Mars. It's by by Mira Furlan. She's a xenoarchaeologist, and um, 
It's a very mysterious artifact of this ship. And uh, what we did for that was we had a contest. And Lightwave, which is a, one of the CG um, modeling uh, programs uh, that's used on Walking Dead, it was used on Star Trek and many other shows, Battlestar Galactica, they had a contest with us where anyone anywhere in the world could design an alien spaceship and the winner got to be in Space Command. And so uh, Nicholas Alanis, who's an Italian uh, uh, VFX artist, he... Um, he came up with this phenomenal design, and um, and the the initial version of that design was by my friend Ian McCaig, who's our character designer. He designed Darth Maul and Queen Amidala and Rey in The Force Awakens and Rocket Raccoon, and he's designed many of our characters, but he also did a first crack at this alien ship. We took that initial um, design, and Nicholas Alanis went way, way, way beyond that, using that as, an, as a starting point, and the ship is just phenomenal looking. Uh, and on, on the... Uh, Kickstarter page, you can watch our, our little video and you can see both of those ships in the in, in some scenes from Space Command. So you can see how remarkable all this stuff looks and thrilled with it. And and it was also fun with Ian because uh, I wanted to design the uniforms for Space Command and I said it can't look like Star Wars or Star Trek. And he came up with something unique and wonderful and I'm I was thrilled with that. And again, uh the trick is always to come up with something that looks just spectacular and something ideally you haven't seen before but you love when you do see it. Yeah. Well I was impressed, I was impressed. um that um yeah I've actually backed it myself. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so um but yeah I when I checked because I think I was um back at two hundred and one and <laughs> Sort of checked again a couple of days later and you're already at 422 backers and you've still got 30 days to go i know it's great it's great and i haven't even really started reaching out to my friends to bang the drum i mean i'm, I'm going to reach out to guillermo del toro and neil gaiman and all these these people i know so and uh, i'm sure they'll they'll spread the word quite far and wide but uh, again you know and and it's funny because if you look at the Again, the Kickstarter video, you know, Guillermo and Damon Lindelof and, and, and Neil Gaiman are all in that video talking about how much they want to see Space Command. And, and it's, it's really, you know, it's really fun because, you know, it's great when you're part of a creative community that's, that's mutually supportive because I'm, you know, I wrote a book recently with Guillermo del Toro and, and he's terrific to work with. And Neil has been very supportive. And of course, I love his work. So we, we feel like a fraternity of, of like-minded souls. And, and it's great when you have that that team spirit and we and, and also all of us you know we're fans as well so we don't we think of ourselves as the same as our audience all of us do i mean we're we're big kids you know and uh <laughs> and so it's you know there's no there's no separation and there's no arrogance and and i'm i'm very glad of that because you know the the, the typical stereotype of uh, stereotype of the the hollywood jerk who's just wears a chip on his shoulder and he's just a creep to everyone. I mean, I, I find those people loathsome, and I avoid them as much as I can. And and I I certainly encourage everyone to act with kindness. And I mean, I you know I live I, I I live what I write. I mean, I in terms of just you know be kind for God's sake. You know, and and you know if someone's different from you, find out what their life is like, and you'll see they're not that different. And uh, that makes for a better world and a better universe. <laughs> now, being on Kickstarter. Um things like these fundraising sites they come with rewards for people who back so yes. what sorts of perks could someone who's looking to back um space command um expect 
Well, there's there's great stuff. I mean, on the on this on the you know low end side, there's obviously you know digital downloads and the soundtrack and all sorts of stuff. Plus, of course, you can you can get a DVD or a Blu-ray or download uh, the 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 film, the the pilot when we're done with it, or even when you when we with the thirty five minutes, we'll just send it to everybody when that's done shortly. Then, uh, and, and as I said, we've shot the entire two and a half hours. We shot the two hour first story and thirty five minutes of the second one, and so. So you could, you know, every every moment, every line, every beat of the first two hours has been shot. Now it's just post post production visual effects. So you get that. There's posters, patches, um, uh, lobby cards, um, signed photos, uh, signed scripts. Um, there's uh, there's walk on roles where you can actually have a line in Space Command. There's there's various levels of producer credits if you really are up, you know, want to put in you know serious money. And uh, so, there, and and there's also, I think, possibilities for me to to you know mentor people, advise them. I think that's another perk. Where if you if you've wanted a career in Hollywood and want to have like 15 minutes or 30 minutes to talk to me and get some advice, or just talk about science fiction or whatever you like to talk about, you know, I'm I'm the world's expert on the Twilight Zone among odd things because I wrote the Twilight Zone Companion. So anything you you want to talk about, we can talk about that stuff. Um, there's a, there's a bunch of perks, a lot of great perks, and. Um, I think there's even a bundled perk where you can get a, a producer credit and a walk-on for a certain, you know, amount of money. So, um, so there's a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it's 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 very very fun, and uh, you know, and obviously, if you if we give you a walk-on, we'll see, you know, what you look like, how how you come across, and we'll we'll craft the role to to you. So it won't just be kind of like, okay, we're with you know, one size fits all. That's not the case at all. <laughs> For instance, in our first campaign, uh one of our one of our donors was a, a, a he's a doctor in his real life. So he's going to be playing a doctor in Space Command and we've actually written the scenes for him and uh so he'll be he'll be playing that role and it's going to be great fun. So he'll be be able to be acting with some of our leads in in on screen. And so we're going to be shooting that very very soon. I just thought something funny. It'd be funny if that was against Bob Picardo, and he had a line saying, "I just hate doctors." <laughs> yes, that'd be very, very fun. And and Bob and Bob is again a wonderful actor. He's he's great to work with. I was, you know, it's just it's, it's and then again, this is where science fiction is so terrific because with the with the online community, with the conventions, you know, you get to meet your heroes. And for me, my heroes have always been the writers and, and these wonderful actors in Star Trek and so many other shows to meet them at conventions and get to know them and, and see what kind of people there are. Because I'll often write roles specifically for certain actors. So for in Space Command, I wrote the role for Doug, for Doug Jones. I wrote the role for Bob Picardo and Mira Furlan and Bill Mummy. Uh, none of it was just like, here's a role I've written, would you want to play it? It was, no, this was, these, these were tailor-made for them. And uh, and so that's, that's again, uh, just a thrill. And, you know, and, and with someone like Armin Shimmerman, you know, uh, it's just such a gift to be able to work with someone like that. It's uh, just amazing actors. I'm, I couldn't be more thrilled. Now, I know we're limited with time with you. Mm. Um, is there anything you would like to say about Space Command to our listeners um, that we haven't already covered? Well, you know, <clears throat> the cool part about Space Command is that everything that I love is in there. <laughs> so, so if you want to see, you know, uh, colonized worlds, if you want to see, you know, uh, really cool spaceships, if you want to see, you know, it really neat aliens that you've never seen before, nothing like them. If you want to see synthetic humans, you know, replicants, androids, we've got all of that stuff. All the all the cool things that we love in a certain kind of science fiction. I mean, there's no dystopia. There's no. It's not dreary. It's not 
downbeat. It's 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 realistic. There's great threats, great challenges, great danger, uh, great moments of heroism. I mean, it's just you know, it's the kind of show that if I weren't doing it, I would watch it and just stand up and cheer. And uh, so you know, it's like you know, uh, part of being a writer, director, producer is you get to make the kind of show you want to watch. I write the books I want to read. I, I make the shows I want to watch. It's it's that simple. Well, I wish you all the best with the Kickstarter. As I said, you've had an amazing start with it so far. And Thank you. Yeah, hopefully that will continue. Now, yes. you've mentioned with your um, so far with your extra goals that you're looking to finish off part two of Redemption. Yes, um, yes. We go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say if you of course get the eighty thousand that you're looking for for that goal, um, yeah. will you have extra goals for further episodes? Yes. Yeah. We've basically broken the two-hour pilot into four acts, and so each each act is roughly thirty minutes or so. So, so we're raising the money initially to finish visual effects, to finish sound, to finish, you know, music, color correction. But the big, the big money item is visual effects, of course. And so once we get to that, where we can actually complete the first two hours, and as I say, every bit of that two hours is shot already, so it's just the post-production stuff. Uh, then. We move on. We shot 35 minutes in the second two-hour story. So then immediately we move toward shooting the rest of those two hours. And the, and most of that two hours takes place on an alien hibernation ship. And my art, my, my art director has already been designing that ship, the interiors of it. We already have the exterior designed. And um, and so then it's just we build the set. We, we rent a space, build the set. Pull, pull together our team, our actors, and we shoot it. And so, so that will, you know, and again, all of this is being done for a fraction of what a show like, like the Star Trek Discovery or, or Game of Thrones would cost. But the level of production that we're being able to pull off because we don't have a studio or, or we don't have the, the same overhead a studio has. So we can do so much more for a little amount of money. And so then we'll shoot that. And then we'll continue raising money to do post-production on that. And then we'll move on to episode three, where we've already sh- shot the opening sequence of that one, and, and on and on. We'll just keep going. And, and if we get a, a, a network or you know, a, a platform to pick us up, then that just brings us more money and makes it all, all done, get completed all the more quickly. But we're, we're committed to, to continuing shooting Space Command. So the more the fans step up and underwrite us, the faster we can go and the, and the better it all goes. So we're, just, we're moving forward and continuing no matter what. Oh. Um, so, of course, importantly, um, can you give people ways to contact not just yourself, but anyone else who wants to sort of donate or just reach sure. out for Space Command? Sure. Well, in terms of the Kickstarter campaign, you just go to Space Command Redemption, or probably if you just type in Space Command, it'll come up. I think it's on the Space on the Kickstarter landing page. It's one of the projects they love. And so you can just click through that to that to reach me. Uh, I have a YouTube channel called Mr. Sci-Fi, and you can subscribe to that. And I'm posting about science fiction every week or so, just talking about science fiction movies and TV shows and books. Um, I have the MarkZickery.com um, website. I've got, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Uh, and, and you can reach me at MarkZickery at gmail.com. I'm always happy to hear from people. And, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm very, very gettable <laughs> in that regard. And, uh, and uh, because again, I'm I'm the same as any fan walking the streets. I just I love all this stuff. It's uh, I mean, Star Trek warped me when I was ten. And I, I've stayed warped. I'm a, I'm like a bonsai tree. <laughs> well, thank you very much for spending some time to chat with us. And Happy to I do wish it. You, I wish you all the best with the Kickstarter, and hopefully, you get everything that you're wanting to. Well, thanks very much. I really appreciate it, Midnight, and 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 hopefully we can talk again soon. I've really enjoyed it. 
Well, you're welcome back at any time. Great. Well, 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 we'll talk soon, and we'll see how the campaign goes, and uh, and maybe we can. Uh, well, and maybe we'll, we'll 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 get together when I'm when I'm in the UK soon. That'd be great. That'd be terrific. Well, great. Well, thanks again, and and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So, next up, let's head over to Star Trek Online News. There's not been too much that's been released since we were last on the air. I know it's been a while. Um, I well, do apologize. It's, it, it's, it's been a while. It's been a while since anyone's heard from us. It's not been too long that we've actually recorded something. Yes, it's just been a long time since I've had the ability to actually post it and edit it. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yes, uh, as uh, previously mentioned, I'm training for a half marathon, so um, it's been hard going to say the least. So um, yeah, I will be getting, we've got two episodes, one episode I just released on the site, but I've still got to put it out on social media, so by the time this episode is released, um, they should all be out. And um, yeah, I'll be doing the editing for the one that I was unable to make. And I will be doing that tomorrow. So um, you should probably yeah. just cancel that episode. That episode's like nothing but ranting because you're not there <laughs> to go. Yeah, but yeah, but and just infuriate me into silence. <laughs> no sane voice to <laughs> calm you down. So Star Trek Online, we've got a, a lifetime subscription sale that's currently on. That started on the 2nd of November, and that's going through to the 7th of December. That's $100 off. It's usually $300, or just under, and it's now down to just under $200. So, um, as I've said before, I myself have got one and still enjoy it. So, there's lots of perks and, of course, links will be in our show notes if you would like to find out more information on it. Um, the current event that we have on, which started on Patch Day, which was November 9th, that is the Mirror Universe. So, once again, we're being invaded, and you collect 14 transporters to get 50,000 lithium ore, 500 fleet marks, 250 reputation marks... And at the end of it, you get the new Mirror Universe Phaser Dual Pistols. And I think there is actually... I've seen a tweet by one of the developers. I didn't only briefly glimpsed it. So this is actually something we've seen on screen before in one of the Mirror Universe episodes. So they're like agony phasers. Probably. I haven't actually had a chance to check out stuff i only managed to get in game sort of yesterday um but yeah every time i go to get in game i start the patch and then something else happens don't get in game and yeah it, it's been a while since i've been able to get in but i did have a good couple of hours that yesterday actually finally played 
which in recent months has been a rarity. So it was fun to get back into it. So, um, yeah, trying to finish off my previous Mirror Universe uh, project. I've got five of them to do. And well, do them on uh, two separate characters because the um, the Mirror Universe thing is a universal uh, or account unlock this time. This time. Yeah. Well, all the things have been universal unlocked for the accounts. You've been able to get them in the account reclaim. So, um, but no, I have lined it up on the my main character because I've been so busy with sort of the half marathon training with work, family, and sort of other things related to podcasts that mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much time I'm going to be able to spend on two characters. So I may as well just do it on my main one because then if I start it, then I remember to finish it the next time it comes around. Um, of course, this isn't a weekend event. So it's not one of these that you can start and then work on another weekend event to finish it off using the new system that they introduced must have been a couple of months ago now mm-hmm. so um just be aware of that but of course uh, it doesn't disappear if you haven't finished it and the transporters that you're actually collecting are the same each time they bring it back but it just means you're going to have to wait several months before you can try and get the rewards again so, um, but no, I do, I do enjoy the Mirror Universe. It's also a brilliant mission to actually level up your starships as well. So, this um, is this is definitely this is definitely true. I just oh, it is difficult having a character that you specifically keep out of fleets, so out of access to all the super uber duper best fleet stuff ever. <laughs> uh, specifically to see if a kind of alone casual player playing the game free to play would even compare at all to some of these but my meta in gamers and it's nice to know yeah you're wholly constantly outclassed in dps by people who have all the best consoles it's a little disheartening too i mean i guess it's one way to make people want to join a fleet but at the same time there are kind of only a few fleets out there that, that have all of the uh, tier five best stuff anyway. I mean, most fleets are small fleets that are still struggling to get to tier four in some respects. Yeah, but it's also one of the reasons why the Amadas have helped because it means you can team up with a fleet that has the top stuff so you can just speak in an armada chat and say can i get an invite and literally everything that you want to buy you can do just by getting an invite to their fleet starbase or other fleet holding apart from the fleet ships i think that's still the only thing in game where you have to be part of that fleet in order to purchase it but, and and yeah, that's 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 true. But it also doesn't help that there are quite a few armadas that exist. And the problem with the armada system is if people aren't donating 
you know, the, the idea of the Armada system, Armada system was that people who are in the higher fleets could donate to the lower fleets that don't have, you know, the high levels so that the, the, the participants in the maxed out fleets could still gain fleet credits and, and all of the stuff that comes with the donations. But it doesn't help if those people don't donate and you're in an armada with them. Which Indeed. Is, but which then that's the same with any fleet. Or if you haven't got people actually donating, then you're not really going to get anywhere. So, so yeah, it, it can always be difficult. And of course, even in an armada, you always get sort of times where sort of no matter how far and how many people they've got, if like now we've got a new tier five fleet holding, people are going to sort of go and actually help out their own fleet first before they actually sort of do anything else. So when it comes to donations, they tend to start lacking a little bit um, around that time when you've got these holdings, but it's only when that, new holding fills up for the bigger armada that they then start donating to the lower ones again. Yeah, true. Because you also then get, when you have these new holdings come out and these new projects and new missions, you get an influx in people that come in so you have more people in game and then most players they play for a short time and then they disappear again until the next new thing and they rotate with other games. Not everyone's like me who sort of just keeps logging into Stowe and keeps forgetting about all the other games that I've got. <laughs> well, uh, a lot of the, a, a lot of the stalling personally, I feel like a lot of the stalling for fleets comes down to, Hey, we want you to put these thousands of fleet credits in and these very specific duty officers, you know, this very specific type of duty officers, uh, well, in smaller fleets, not everybody is at the capacity to have hundreds of duty officers spared to just shove into those things. Uh, they can shove maybe one or two at a time, and if they go out of their wide way to buy that specific duty officer all the, on, off the exchange, or try their luck at opening duty officer packs that you get as, you know, freebies from... Uh, one of the duty officer missions, you, you know, you're you're you'll be lucky if you fill that slot up. So consolidating all of those specialized um, duty officers in just into to just a generic insert duty officers here thing would probably be helpful. So I'm not wasting time looking for an operations officer or a science officer or a medical officer or an engineer all the time but it's still an awful lot better than it used to be where it was a very specific type of duty officer not just what oh yeah no that yeah it's it's gotten it's gotten better but it can get it can get better it's come a long way i mean we've come from requiring what was it cases of romulan ale for stuff to 
oh, we'll, we'll just, we'll remove that. We'll make it uh, commodities, like the commodities that you can replicate. Well, after a while, they made the commodities just a flat out insert credits here. Yeah, because basically that's what people were doing. They're just spending energy credits to get the commodities to then put in. So right. they're not actually playing the game. They're just trading currencies. In a game that's got a thousand different currencies, your people were upset that their people, the players were just trading currency. That makes all the sense, right? Well, it's the same currency, just different types of it. it it's like having it's still a dollar sort of thing, but it, yeah. They, well, no. When I say there are millions of currencies, no, I'm talking specifically about the reputation marks. I consider each and every reputation mark its own currency, as you literally have to acquire that currency to purchase things for those specific reputations. Yeah, but it's a way that they help drive people to do certain missions. So they want to make sure people don't just play the newest things all the time. Now, we still do have people that prefer to do particular things, especially DPSs. There are certain maps which work better and quicker, so they will always pick that one until another better one comes along and they'll stick with that one. Um, there's, ne there's never going to be any perfect system for it. Oh, I don't. I'm not expecting there to be a perfect system. Just, it just it irritates me so much, so much that like the only reliable way for getting something like Delta Marks for the longest time was people running Bug Hunt on Elite because people would run Bug Hunt on Elite for whatever the rare research thing. R&D material was for the longest time because the elite version of it was the easiest thing to do for any of the other cues for that material. And now people are just off doing other things and I've not had a bug hunt queue pop off in like the longest time. So I wind up having to go down to the oh, what's what's the name of the place with the Basically, the the adventure zone with the with the body snatchers, you know. Oh, um, the there salt vampires. No, 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 no! Not the salt vampires. The body snatchers literally take your dead corpse and make it part of their race. Oh, um, Kabali. That's it. See, I'm terrible with names. You'll have to forgive me, everybody. Yeah, basically, go down to the Kabali adventure zone to to get. To get Delta Marks. And I'm I'm sorry. It was fun the first go around, but doing it again and again and again ain't that fun. Now going and doing the dinosaur thing and in in the Dyson sphere, that's usually pretty fun. <laughs> I must admit, I didn't because well, I always prefer space anyway. But when it came to the Kabali one, I actually found it pretty easy to gain marks. So Although I completed all the core missions, I don't think I ever went round to do all the sort of auxiliary ones um, around the areas because I didn't need the marks to go do that. Right. And, and I completely understand. You know, for a lot of people, they didn't necessarily have to do that. But, like, when it's the 
third time of you trying to disarm a mine and somebody runs straight through the bastard on their way to doing something else and blows up in your face. It's like, <sighs> I really want to do something else to get more marks than sit here and do this and get five to ten. I understand. So, on the topic of holdings, um, Project 3 has been released to sort of add functionality to the new colony utility. So you can get a communications tower. So that will be placed at the far end of the island. So that's usually, what, 200,000 dilithium to get that? Uh, it's usually what? what? I said to complete the extra sort of cosmetic projects, they're usually about 200,000 dilithium, aren't they? Oh yeah, the yeah the um yeah the cosmetic projects for fleet holdings are usually about two hundred thousand dilithium, and then yeah. with the um with the uh, discounts from the mine, I think it's it's around a hundred and seventy if you've maxed out the mine to tier three, so you've got all three discounts. Yeah, you get a nice sort of percentage off it. So it always helps to get the Dilithium Mine up and running to Tier 3, if you can, as one of the first holdings so that that's, you work yeah, on. That, that's yeah, that's the, what I tell everybody. If you're going to do a fleet, if you're going to get into the fleet system as a new fleet, the number one thing you absolutely need to do is max the, the Dilithium Mine, because if you don't, it will be an even further slog because you'll be wasting a bunch of resources into getting all of the other holdings leveled up when those resources can get knocked off as a discount for completing the Dilithium Mine. Yeah, and also part of the Dilithium Mine gives you an energy credit discount as well, doesn't it? Well, yeah, because it used to be a reduction in the required amount of of um commodities it was yeah. a commodity discount but it's all it's now been changed to an ec discount as well yeah so and of course those discounts apply for any holdings so it's not just stuff on the dilithium mine it will actually be anything else that you slot in for everything else okay basically so there have, of course, been some patches since we last recording. Now, one of the um, changes actually was for the Colony World Fleet Holding. And they changed the threshold for getting batteries from the minigames. The breakpoints are now every 100 points with a maximum reward of 900. And one of the other notes, actually from the most recent patch on the 9th, um, all the special requisition choice packs for tier six promotional ships, um, they'll now be bind on pickup. So ship packs obtained by opening those packages can still be traded freely. And some of the issues that are currently in game is editing missions in the foundry is temporarily unavailable. And if you go to the event calendar and you go away from November to go to December, well, it's missing all information because it thinks it's, I think it was January 2000. Oh no! It finally <laughs> caught up with this midnight. The Y2K bug is here! 
<laughs> I did think that. <laughs> so it made me chuckle. I thought, well, what does it do? So I went and had a look. Now, one of the other things that I've actually... Um, Night Moon Wolf 21 in chat says 1999. I'm sure it was 2000, it said on the thing. Or unless he's talking about something else. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, I'm trying to find the bit of patch notes. I think I scored it out accidentally. There's, in the game now, you've actually got stuff appearing in your trays being in your inventory now, such as your hover packs and your surfboards. Oh yeah, you can now leave those in your inventory slots instead of actually having to equip them in your gear slots and use them. It's like pets now. Yay! Yeah. Now if, now if only now if only the Christmas devices will become like that. I hope they do. Um, but yeah, I, when I was in game yesterday, I saw thinking. I haven't got them equipped, double checking, because I was about to run a ground mission. Nope, they're not. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that's cool. So, um, so yeah, I looked out for those on the actual patch I, notes I do, themselves. I do want to point out two patch, uh, two uh, notes from previous patch notes that we did not cover, because we did not record at the time that these patch notes were released, that I found absolutely hilarious. Uh, one of the patch notes was resolved an issue that caused chairs on the TNG Galaxy Bridge to be mislabeled as Park Bench. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, and in that same bit of patch notes was personnel working outside of Earth's space dock should now remember to use an active environmental suit. <laughs> hey, Moff! We got a floater! Ada. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, given the fact that we've got the power boards and floaters to be used from the inventory, um, I can see them doing that same functionality for the Christmas stuff. Because, yeah, that's always an absolute nightmare trying to slot them in. Then you go to run a mission and then all of a sudden, why is my gun firing? You have firing? no gear because all you've got is Christmas stuff and it affects nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, damn it! <laughs> and it's just like, okay, swap around, someone fires at you. It's just like, damn it, can't even swap around, go away! <laughs> it's just like, oh. So, yeah. I I so wish that they'd get loadouts for ground, because it'd be so good. Because when it comes to things like the summer event previously, and when it comes to the winter event, I will often stop running ground missions purely for the reason that I get fed up of keep remembering to swap out all the stuff. So oh, it's yeah. just like, oh, yeah. screw it. I'm just running the stuff for Christmas. I'm not going to bother with it. So, I mean, you know, at this point, I, I could quite literally make my banking character, quote unquote, the Christmas tune, essentially. Yeah. Because, I, you know, every other character kind of has a purpose except him because, like, the whole reason of his existence was, hey, the, uh, the Tuffly Freighter is uber cheap right now. I'm going to buy it for the commodities of the fleet holding. And then, like, a month later, all of that changed. And I'm like, fuck me. But he's liter- but he's also my banking character between all of my other accounts. So, like, if I've got another account that acquires something that is uh, account tradable, 
or is something that is really worthwhile worthwhile that I can hold on to or sell eventually, trade it off in the account bank to that character, and it'll sit in that character's account or in that character's bank instead of taking up all of the other characters' banks. Yeah, because uh, you know, trading the mirror universe ships is still quite a lucrative business opportunity. I once had so many mirror universe ships that people at the time weren't wanting them. I literally, I could not give them away. So I binned them all. And about two years later, the way that they changed, they also brought in the Admiralty system and things like that. Mm-hmm. They became mm-hmm. popular again. And it's just like, oh, yeah. damn it. But uh, I, even with banking fleets and things like that, I, I had so many Mirror Universe ships. That oh, yeah. I, I, at one time, I just thought, screw it. I'm getting rid of the lot. <laughs> I, I, I was actually really, really smart with the whole thing because when they said, oh, we're, we're finally making these ship boxes have a vendor sellable amount, I, I went, ooh, ooh. Once that amount gets known, the prices are going to drop. And that for that first week, they bottomed like the market actually just tanked and so i was buying boxes left and right and says i know bastards i know i know you bastards are trying to get rid of these but i've been playing you far too damn long i know these are going to become <laughs> popular again bank <laughs> so yeah i've been slowly selling off boxes four or five million a piece Especially the KDF ones, because those those kind of fell the most. Because I mean, they were those were five and six million a piece for some of the like like I mean, even the mirror carrier itself. And you know, the boxes were still coming out, and it's like gobble 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 gobble, and just let them sit. And now they're anywhere between seven and ten million a piece, and I'm like, cha ching. <laughs> yeah. But no, I'd literally filled uh um and like four trays of the fleet bank once with mirror universe no! ships. Oh my and, god, and all that I, money. And I just didn't have any room for it and I'd got a load in my account bank and I'd got some in my infantry and this was before we got extra space as well <laughs> and it's just like I wish you had told me I would have I would have set aside some room in my banking character just for your boxes midnight but yeah it it was just like ah uh, as I said it is still a couple of years later that it actually happened but yeah no it's 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 one of those things where you go this is an investment I know I'm spending a whole bunch of money now but it will be worth it I just have to wait but never mind but no i had waited for so long and yeah as i said i couldn't even give them away at one point so it was just like do you want some mirror universe ships i've got lots of copies of basically all of them why did you never ask me i would have (laughs) taken them all (laughs) but yeah when i did sort of like some of the quizzes and events in stowe um she was using them as prizes too because you couldn't give them away. <laughs> well, I used them for prizes, but eventually it's just like, oh, does it have to be a Mirror Universe one? I've already got them because like everybody had them. 
And of course, this was a time when, as I said, there wasn't the Admiralty system, so you didn't get the extra um, cards for that. So all it was doing was using up ship slots because you didn't have the dry dock either. So, of course, if I'd got them now, then, yeah, I could keep them um, or at least use them to get the card for the Admiralty system and then bin them. But, yeah, I just... I wasn't interested in flying them because it they never excited don't, a lot me. Of people don't really think about this, but you know the people who who grab the boxes and then turn around and and try and sell them. It never crosses their mind to open the box at least once for the card. And the well, I mean now now they they want the boxes for the card, but it, at that time it never occurred to them to open the boxes because not only now do they have the card for the Admiralty system, they all also came with unique skins. Mirror Universe skins for those ships. Yeah. So I've got a couple of them, but as I said, I never used them, so I never, I never, I don't like the Mirror Universe design, so I just never, ever used it. So I just thought, ah, screw it. Goodbye. <laughs> so, yeah. Dump the whole lot. <laughs> uh, See, I've yeah. been doing that recently with the um, the uh, some of the quote unquote booby prize ships too. You know, when a new lockbox comes out, I'll look at whatever ship's the lowest and I'll snag a whole bunch of them and I'll just sit on them for a while because their price will will go up. I mean, I'm still selling the um, the sphere builder thing. It's like the the little injector thing for I mean it sells anywhere between three million and seven million a piece and seven million on a good day. Oh, you can go through three or five boxes, mm. you know. And it, it's it's like yeah, buy buy low, sell high. That's the way the market works. Thanks for all the years in Eve. <laughs> so all those people that laugh at hoarders. now you know where those people make their money from yeah okay well that's all i've got down for stone use unfortunately i haven't had any time to go through any of the stuff for consoles but um my aim is to do that for the next episode so sorry console guys and gals um just have to go through to the arcgames.com website to find it out for the moment <laughs> you know so, what i'm not seeing in, in our show notes either timelines no because it's just basically been basic events and i hadn't had a chance to gather any of the information so i was getting well, they were the still doing the they were still doing the discovery thing i don't know when that ended though discovery hasn't ended yet no, 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 no. The Discovery event in Timelines. Oh, right. Event. Yeah, no, um, that is going for, I think this it might be the last week. Again, I haven't had a time to take part in most of the events oh, properly. Oh, yeah, no, I wholly understand. So, so yeah, I, I just haven't had a chance to read up on it. So rather than just going, um, I think there was this and just sounding completely dumb, I thought, uh, I just won't cover it this week. So the fact that Fair we're actually we didn't, here doing a show is a big improvement for the last couple of months. <laughs> so. you know, the, 
we didn't cover it the last time either, and we kind of had, had like a two-hour show. Go figure. That's with <laughs> me ranting. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, I'll be listening to that episode tomorrow. So. And holding your face the entire time. Son, what the hell are you doing? Shut up! Yeah, I'll, I'll be looking going, why have I only got two hands? How can I do a triple face palm? <laughs> okay, let's head over to main viewer. Main viewer. You have been watching Discovery, yes, I um, so you're all up to Discovery. date. So um, but yeah, this... I've been watching the episodes, and I, even with even with the last episode that just came out, with Kirsten Byer trying to fix all the problems, I only have I still only have one. You know, you know how my big thing was: please don't kill Saru. It, it would be stupid to kill Saru. Saru's kind of like the best thing on the crew, right? <laughs> Ever since the Tardigrade episode, I've only had one thing. Saru now has to die. I'm sorry. There's no getting over it. Even with this newest episode and making Saru the meek, helpless, hunted person that he's supposed to have always been, he still kind of chose to end another creature's existence. Especially a creature who is a lot like him used solely for a single purpose to the crew of the Discovery. And he would choose to kill that thing to find the captain. I'm sorry. You, you lost all of, you lost you didn't just lose all your cool points. You lost all your reason for me to champion your existence points. So I'm okay with him dying if he dies now. <laughs> But no, 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 it's okay, because at the end of that episode, we redeem him by saying, go save the creature's life. Bullshit! You you, you know, you chose to sacrifice this thing out of everything. You didn't know if it was sentient or not. You didn't know if it knew what was going on. All you knew was that it could power the thing, and that you wanted the thing powered because you wanted to find the captain, and you chose out of everything to sacrifice the thing who didn't even have a concept, or even if we knew, could understand the concept of the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. But you still chose to sacrifice the thing. The thing could have been the last of its existence, and you still would have chose to sacrifice the thing. Yes, but isn't that part of what he's been saying to Michael Burnham, is he will make, do a better job of protecting his captain? Which so, is bullshit. <laughs> but that's the whole thing, and it's the same thing. If you've got family or friends or captains or whatever, you will choose to save them above other people. And that's the whole part of humanity and choices, which is what that's addressing. So if he was well, the well, weaker no, no, for no, making... No, he was weaker for that. making that choice. But he then became, in a way, the hunter. It turned the tables. That's what that, to me, that's what that was showing. He then realised what he had done and said at the end, look, 
go help that creature. He realised he had done wrong. He had become what he fears most. But it also kind of proves that this hate and animosity he has for Burnham is utterly pointless. Which is why they've also been getting on better in the most recent episodes, especially if you look back to the original I'm not sure episodes. if I would call getting 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 the crap beat out of you for doing what you were ordered to do uh the getting along better <laughs> he had his mind a bit frazzled by an alien energy whatever so it's not completely on him he sort of so, yeah, there are I'm not, circumstances. I'm not entirely sure if that's the case. This is literally the guy who said, with, with, with a single breath, I will do a better job at protecting my captain and crew than you did. And then in this episode by Chris, Kirsten Beyer, who, I admit, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt for the next episode to see if she can smooth out a whole bunch of the shit that's gone on. At this point, in this... In this episode, here he is going, but this race is so pure, I have to protect them. Yeah, even over your captain and crew that you just vowed to protect better than Michael Burnham did? Please, go off and die. As I said, he he was altered because of his contact with an alien species, which is something we've had happen in basically every single series of Star Trek. See, that's the thing. We say we th- we're led to believe that he was altered. He, he quite literally shows in the episode he was not altered in the way we think he was, or the way that we're led to believe he was. Every action that he took after the mind meld, let's call it, uh, with this alien species was his own action and thought process. It wasn't because of being altered. It was because of being shown how they live. And everything that he did was to protect them and keep them out of the war, which meant him abandoning Lorca and the Discovery, which is counter to everything he keeps saying all the damn time on the ship. Um, as I said, it, it, what he saw made him feel safe for the very first time. And basically, fear is a very strong emotion. You do s- things you wouldn't normally do when you're afraid. And that's what's what's happened here. He has done something that he wouldn't normally have done. He had his first taste of freedom, and he wanted more. That's literally what I said watching the episode when he was in, like, the sick bay. Like, for the first time, I did not know fear. It's like, and you wanted more. Like, no, I completely understand his reasoning. But at the same time, I'm I'm going to wholly hold him at fault for... For collapsing on all of the principles that he stood for because he had that moment of peace and then got hauled at, you know, then got his normality back. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see where the mid season finale takes us this coming week. Um, we were the... we were told there would be consequences. I don't know what all of that means, but 
uh, I don't know. I, I, I eagerly anticipate the downfall of, of certain characters in the show already. Like I, I've said before, there are only two redeemable people on this entire ship to me. And, and it's, it's the, it's the not chief medical officer doctor and Tilly. Those are the only two redeemable people on this entire ship. Everybody else is a fucking asshole. <laughs> and Burnham Burnham is an asshole because she's right all the fucking time. That's what makes people hate her. Yeah, I get that's that a lot. Literally why the fan base hates her. Because she's right. She's always been right. She will always be right to some extent because she's the main character. So the final episode is to be or the mid season final episode is to be aired um the 12th of November and for those outside of the US that'll be the 13th of November and we will not see Discovery again until January the 7th so that's when it gets returned and then for well we haven't actually had a date from Netflix but I'm assuming they're going to keep on the same schedule so it means everybody else will get it on monday 8th i i hope the second half of the season is a complete i'm i'm gonna say it right now what i've seen of discovery i hope the second half of the season is a complete reboot of the entire series i am not sorry whatsoever for saying that Hmm. well i very much doubt it but I've been enjoying it. I'm really liking what I've seen so Because far. I can handle Stamets being an asshole. I can I can give Lorca a degree of leniency in being an asshole because he's a warrior type. But when it comes right down to it, the mistakes that have been made to me in the writing of this whole beginning of the show would definitely warrant a... Mirror universe incursion with Stamets split mind with with him being altered by the tardigrade DNA so much so that he's literally running through different timelines trying to to avoid the mirror universe trying to weaponize him to a point that he's hiding in a completely new version of Discovery where none of the shit that's happened already has happened. I mean, you, you've still got basically the, the the pilot's layout, but none of the other stuff that's happened on Discovery and and Burnham being a traitor, quote unquote, had all in you know, none of that stuff has been happened. It's all been a different outcome that occurred during the first meeting of the Klingons at this point. I would be okay with that. Oh, be interesting but we'll to have see to where wait they do go. So, but yeah, it has been renewed for a second season. So, um, yeah, time will tell. Well, I don't even mean the second season. Just they're taking this break. I mean, they were they were still in the middle of filming the second half of this first season when they started the season itself. So yeah. it would be interesting to see if the second half of just this first season was a reboot of the entire series already i'm not sure it would be but 
oh no, don't get me wrong. I don't think it will be, but it would be very interesting to go, hey, you know what? Here's a thing that happens that allows us to reboot the entire season. Because, man, was that opening really rough on all you guys and all of us because all of these things do not make sense. And now that we have Kirsten Beyer on staff, we can make stuff make sense. Okay. Well, that's all we've got for this week. And hopefully we'll be back next week at full strength. And with a full list of show notes ready for a, well, I say normal size show for us. For other people, it's a very long show. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I will say this. Um, the first episode we've released already in the interim. Um, yeah, episode 170 right? has been posted on the website. and 270 um, has some community questions, if I recall correctly. I couldn't remember. Um, I didn't post them because I didn't have them in the show notes. So if we asked ah, them, okay. we didn't make a note. I apologize if I made a, a community question and did not write it down. Uh, so I'll have to go back into that, listen to that episode myself. But guys, come Wednesday or so of next week, you'll have three episodes to listen to. Oh my god, the amount of stuff that will come out of Alex in in all three of these. I don't look forward to next week. Don't look forward to all of that reading and talking. <laughs> but I'll do it because it's my job. <laughs> uh, okay, well, thank you all for joining us. And thank you for Mark for telling us all about Space Command. I must admit, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens with that. What were your thoughts? Honestly, I, I, I do. I, I am looking forward to Space Command. I just didn't want to say anything because there was still quite a bit of echoing going on from his audio pickup. And y you know how I talk. So anything that I said through somebody else listening would have been picked up on, on his mic and would have been echoed back. So I just kept quiet. <laughs> But yeah, it looks to be a good setup. What they've shown so far in the previews um, look really good. They've got some great people behind it and in front of the screen as well. So yeah, it will be good to um, see what comes out of all that. So as I said, I've already backed the Kickstarter because I did like what I saw. So. I would love it if it had a um, original series Battlestar vibe to it. I would love that. Because how it looks reminds me of that. Yeah, that was the first thing I thought, especially with the colours as well. The first thing I thought was Viper, but there's another ship it reminded me of, but I could not think what it was. So it's just like, hmm... So maybe that will come to me later. Kind of also reminds me a little bit of The Last Starfighter 2. True. Okay. Well, thanks again for but joining with a name us. Like, with a name like Space Command, I, I expect they'll have to defend Earth from asteroids at some point, right? <laughs> uh, well, we do know that Robert Picardo is going to be based at, in the asteroid belt, so you never know. <laughs> Um, there you go. Okay. 
thank you all for joining us and until next time take care bye everyone satellite radio for our remastered shows and more you can follow us on twitter at tribbles in xtc or if you have any questions or comments please send an email to tribbles in ecstasy at gmail.com join us next week for another episode of tribbles in ecstasy the only place where tribbles and klingons are friends